everyone and welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it, I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to have taken place here in Scotland or even relate to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening to us. It really helps out a bunch and a massive thank you to everyone who already has. So hello, hello, hello everyone. I hope you're all doing very well and have had a very nice day or you have a nice day depending on what time you're listening. For me, it is Friday evening, which means I have a well-deserved glass of Jack Daniels in front of me as it has definitely been one of those weeks. Before we get into anything too light-hearted, uh, there's something that I would just like to quickly mention because I feel like I would be... I feel like I would be silly not to mention it, as many of you listening, or all of you listening, should probably know the situation in Ukraine right now. I'm not going to get too deep into it, because this is not what this show is about, but I do feel the need to have to mention it, because it is very serious. Um, I am completely disgusted and disappointed with what is happening in Ukraine right now. It's completely unacceptable on every single level. I feel weird going about my daily life, enjoying and smiling and having a great time when there is a country not too far away where there is a war and people are dying, families are being ripped apart, a bit odd going about daily life but that is what it is and I am so saddened and worried. I'm not a particularly religious person but all of my thoughts and respects are with the people of Ukraine. And I would hope that all of you listening, yours are too. So in the last episode, I talked a wee bit about a petition that had been made that had made its way to the Scottish Parliament. The petition was to overturn the convictions of those charged with witchcraft and commemorate them in the form of a monument here in Scotland. If you would like to know more about Scottish witchcraft or the witch trials, maybe not witchcraft, um, I don't go too hard on that stuff, but specifically the witch trials, then I do have an episode, it's one of our very early ones, you can go listen to that, I talk about it in a lot more detail, it is one of our older ones, so I do have a co-host and the layout of the episode is a bit different, but if you really want to know about that, then go back and listen to it, or if you'd like me to redo it, revisit it, then I can do that as well. But as of right now, there is absolutely no update on this as of yet. Uh, I would imagine that the petitions kind of got to go through the motions and make its way through Parliament, which I would imagine takes a long time. But I will be checking on it regularly and looking for any further movement. And if any of you folks see anything before I do, please let me know. I had also previously mentioned that I have been reading a shit ton of books on Scottish history, folklore, hauntings, all that kind of stuff and I have still been doing that. I have been doing it for the past couple of weeks and let me tell you something, I really thought that I was starting to kind of come to the end of what I could talk about on this show. Uh, My list was kind of getting smaller and smaller but let me tell you, I was so wrong after reading all of these books and gathering the information that I have over the past few weeks, yeah, I was wrong. The information that I have taken note of over the past few weeks is absolutely staggering. And this is going to sound really nerdy, but I don't really care. I had to start a spreadsheet. That's right, guys. I had to start a spreadsheet. I had to, I had to start a spreadsheet. Yeah, I just I had to. Um, and on this spreadsheet, I have several different tabs. 
the first tab is just kind of my schedule, what days I want to record, what days I want to update and all the other tabs are just filled with different things. So one tab is the folklore tab, one tab is the history tab, one tab is the hauntings tab and they are absolutely filled to the gunnels with different topics and subjects that I have still to talk about. Now, I don't want you to worry. That doesn't mean that I am not going to cover things from other parts of the world. I do also have a tab dedicated to that on the spreadsheet, which already has, like, a lot of things on it that you lovely people have sent on to me. I have kept a note of every single one of them. And as of right now, I'm really working towards weekly uploads and then a double upload at the end of the month. One of the subjects of one of those episodes being from something... Uh, it doesn't have to be a particular subject, it could be a place, a haunting, any, absolutely anything, but it will be from outside of Scotland. So I would really urge you to send on anything that you would like me to talk about. It doesn't have to be scary or dark or anything like that. If you want me to talk about it, I can do that and I will do my very best to gather as much information as humanly possible for you. Because at the end of the day, this is your guy's show and I will talk about anything that you want me to. Within reason, of course. And another wee thing I would like to mention show-wise is that last episode there was this issue with the audio. I have no idea what it is. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. But there was this, it sounded like the mic was shaking, but the mic wasn't moving. So I'm trying something different this week. I've got the mic in a different way. I'm holding it in a different way. It's and It's just a completely different setup. So I'm hoping that that makes a difference. Um, I'll see it when I'm editing this episode and hopefully by the time you guys hear it, it should sound perfectly fine. But yeah, next month I'm buying a brand new mic, a really high-end one, so hopefully there are no further issues regarding audio. But if there is any issues like that, please let me know. I know a few of you have got in touch before to let me know when things are kind of went wrong or don't sound right. And I do try my very best to fix it, but again, I'm, I'm not an expert, so I don't know how to... Yeah, I really hope that this sounds better. Now... Today's episode is going to be around folklore. It is my usual folklore episodes. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know um, I do these episodes where I just bring, I tell you about different creatures from Scottish folklore. But before I start, I really would like to say this because people do take this stuff very, very seriously, as they should. I am one of them. I am not an expert on Scottish folklore or really anything that I talk about on this show. The only thing that I have an advantage with here is that I am Scottish and I have heard a lot of these stories through my grandparents and family but like I said I am in no way shape or form an expert but what I do do is try to educate myself about the topics I'm looking into but I am I am going to get it wrong sometimes but that's okay and I am 100% fine with people correcting me or educating me in those cases. But with folklore, it's very, very difficult to be 100% accurate because folklore isn't something that you can just open a book and read. It is something that is passed through generations. It is stories that are told from person to person, from ear to ear, and those stories will change as they are passed from person to person. That is just, that is just, that is what happens. You'll know yourself when you tell somebody something and then by the time it gets to the sixth person it is a completely different story for what you told them the first person and that is just what it is. I do try my very, very best to read as many interpretations of these folktales as I can 
and interpret them into one and bring you as many different versions or as many different tidbits of information as I can. The main core of the story I'm telling you will always be the same. I will never change that. Also, the folklore and the myths that I talk about on this show are specific to Scotland. They are specifically Scottish folktales, Scottish creatures, Scottish myths. They're specific to Scotland, the place where I live. And I am very aware that there are other cultures and other places in the world who have very similar folklore. And just because I'm not talking about them or mentioning them doesn't mean I don't know they exist or that I'm just dismissing them or being ignorant. I just... I'm just specifically talking about my own. I don't feel that I'm educated enough or entitled to talk about another culture's folklore. That's basically what I'm saying. But yeah, don't get it twisted. Like, I know that there are similar things from different places. So, yeah. Just so you just so you know that I'm not I, I'm not half arsing this stuff. Um, I really want to bring you guys as much as I can. I hope that made sense. And if it didn't, then I'm sorry. I apologise. I just feel like it's very difficult to be authentic to every single story you read when they're all so different about the same thing so I just try and kind of collate them and bring you one big story if that makes sense so yeah I hope that you're enjoying these and I hope that they make sense and I hope I'm not annoying anybody if I get anything wrong that being said I hope that you are still with me and if you are you know give yourself a pat on the back but I think it's time that we just get on into these old creatures now shall we the first up we have a creature that actually is the creature that inspired me to look into folklore in the first place. Last week, I was babysitting my nephews, and every time they are here, we watch a different movie. Last week, it was Brave. If you haven't seen Brave, it is a Disney animated movie. It might be Pixar. I don't think it is, but it's a, it's a Disney movie for sure. And it is an animated movie, and it's set here in Scotland. And the story itself follows this young Scottish princess. Um, she's very like tomboyish and rebellious. And as you can imagine, she gets into all sorts of shenanigans. But if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's a very, very good movie. Off topic, I've heard from several different people that the princess in this movie isn't classed as a Disney princess. And I have no idea why. She is literally the daughter of the king. But I I, I think that I think that's a whole other can of worms um, when it comes to Disney movies and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to, yeah. Any, anywho, in this movie, uh, the princess, she's called Merida. And in the movie, she's out in the woods with her horse. And she comes across these wee creatures in the woods called wisps. Now, in the movie, they are called wisps. That's what she calls them. And this kind of got me thinking, um, I wonder if these wee wisps are based on anything factual and folklore or anything like that. And surprise, surprise, they are. Now, there are many different versions of the wisp from many different places. Like I said before, um, they are known uh, to be talked about in Norway and Ireland. But here in Scotland, they are known as Willow the Wisp or spunkies which i will give you as a really uncomfortable name to say out loud spunkies in the movie they appear to merida as little blue kind of flame like lights like glowing flames that's kind of what they it's kind of what they look like and they kind of make this lovely little ethereal noise as they kind of float about um yeah so that's what they look like in the movie and in the movie they lead her to her so-called fate now, in folklore, 
uh, this isn't really, it, it's not really what they're known to do, uh, but obviously that's a Disney movie, you know, you have to make it interesting for the kids. But in folklore, the accounts that I've read, they, they do appear as like kind of flickering lights, which are sometimes just like normal, bright, yellowy, normal coloured lights, if that makes sense. But they can also appear as like blue lights from the, like the movie. And if you just Google wisps or willow the wisps, you'll predominantly see blue flame-like lights. That is kind of the image that goes along with them. They've also been known to take the form of a young boy who can be seen holding a lantern and is trying to help weary travellers in the dark. And this is kind of where they start to differ a lot from the movie. Normally, wisps are not known to be friendly or particularly nice or you know these lovely little things that just bob around They're, that's that that is definitely not what they're known for they are however known for leading travelers astray um taking them off the beaten path so to speak and into very dangerous situations now, the dangerous situations i'm talking about are things such as bogs swamps and even locks where it's very, very difficult to make your way back out of in the dark. So just to put that in perspective, man walks along the road in the dark, sees a little wisp, oh, look at that wee guy, follows him off into the bog or the swamp or the lock. Before he knows what's happened, he's in the middle of a bog, the wee wisp disappears, he's in the pitch black, and he starts to sink into the bog and dies. So that's kind of the premise of what these wee guys are about. There were some accounts saying that they had occasionally led people to treasure, but I honestly could only find one or two sources saying that. The rest of them were very, very negative uh, and death-related. So I think we can safely say that they can be very mischievous and very deadly if you follow them. So I advise that you don't do that should you ever see a wisp. Now, in some towns, they were known as omens of death, and to some, they were the actual physical spirits of the dead. Um, and they believed that these were the spirits of the people who had met their end in these marshes, bogs and locks kind of surrounding the village. And they would tell people if they seen them out in the darkness, they were to turn around, not pay them any mind and completely ignore them. Just walk in the opposite direction because they believed that they could be a warning of oncoming danger which we will come back to in a wee minute, my dears. In other towns, they were said to be the spirits of fairies or elemental spirits. And although I couldn't really find much on this, uh, fairies and elementals are known to be very mysterious from time to time, so that is entirely possible. Again, fairies and elementals will be on the list. They are on the list. They are on the tab, guys. Don't worry about it. But I have to say that the common theme throughout all the things that are read was that these wee guys seem to be seen in the same kind of areas throughout Scotland. They're mostly seen in bogs, swamps, graveyards and over locks, which is why so many people thought that they were the spirits of the dead who had wandered into these areas and obviously sadly died. Now I'm sorry to tell you this, because it might burst your bubble, but there is a complete scientific explanation for these lights. I'm sorry to tell you this. When phosphine diphosphate and methane oxidize it can cause a bioluminescent effect in the air and this reaction can be caused by organic decay and this completely makes sense because like i said before the sightings of these things are taking place in areas where 
there would be a lot of like natural gases and organic decay so like a bog known for being very gassy a lot of natural gases a lot of different you know just different natural elements anyway and then you have graveyards where there are buried bodies there's obviously going to be a release of gases and of course there is organic decay taking place right under the ground so it would make sense that people are seeing these lights in these specific areas and that saddens me because you know that means they're not real and i don't like that but yeah there is a completely scientific explanation um for these lights uh the thing that i said i would come back to so if you remember i said that the villagers Uh, tell people to kind of just ignore them abort mission turn around and ignore them as they were a warning of oncoming danger now like i just said there these wisps are seen in what could be perceived as dangerous areas so locks bogs swamps people can get lost die um, be trapped in these kinds of areas and if you're out walking at night and you see a wisp then i think that is completely accurate to abort mission and leave because Obviously, you are either walking into an area where you're in very, very serious danger or you're going to be walking into an area that's in serious danger. So that is actually pretty accurate scientifically, even though, you know, the villagers didn't know that. They just thought, you know, stay away from them. They're very mischievous. Before I go any further, I would like to just uh, apologise in advance. My cat is currently sitting right in front of me and if you hear her meow or she starts to make noise, I do apologise. Her name is Fang. And she's now joining us for this episode. Now, I know that that was very boring. And I think that all of us would like to just forget that I ever said that natural gas can cause these lights. And I think we would all just like to pretend that will-o'-the-wisps are little dead people floating around the Scottish forests and marshlands. So I think what we should all do is just forget that I ever mentioned it. And just continue to live in delusion and imagine these wee dead people floating around because that's exactly what i'm going to be doing people so the next beastie we're going to be talking about is a big one and he went by the name the beast of the charred forest which sounds like something from game of thrones or lord of the rings he does have a gaelic name which i am not even going to attempt to butcher but it just basically translates to the beast of the black furs this big guy's tale can be traced back to around the 13th century so this is a pretty old one at some point in time, most of northern Scotland was kind of vastly or mostly covered by dense forests. If you've ever drove up north, you'll see like miles and miles and miles and miles. I think they're pine trees, but I'm I'm not an expert on trees, could be completely wrong on that. But you'll, you'll see like these really dense forests, they're kind of impenetrable. But most of northern Scotland was covered in these forests uh, at that time. And although that is a, that is the complete stuff of dreams and absolutely gorgeous to picture, this posed a very big problem when the Vikings invaded Scotland because this meant that they were unable to see enemy ambushes. So what did they do? They burned all of the trees to the ground. And I know that the Lorax would be very, very angry about that. So that is the historical reason for the destruction of these forests. But that is not what you're here for. Am I right? No, it's not legend has it that these forests were burned to the ground by the beast who was a very very large fire bathing dragon that's right folks we have a dragon our first dragon actually and a very powerful one at that he was said to have been born from a fire that had burned for seven years which is obscene the many of the villagers in that area in that kind of northern area uh whenever they would hear 
that the beast was close to their village or it was on its way to their village, the village would be like a ghost town. They would lock themselves inside, try and keep as safe as possible because this guy was known for just coming in, stomping people, killing them, destroying villages and he also was said to have a very particular taste for young pretty women which is just very creepy like no there was a rumor going around the villages that the only way the beast could be killed was by a man who saw it before it saw him so at this point everybody's pretty terrified this dragon's just like stomping around up and down the forest burning them to the ground destroying villages snatching up young ladies he is just causing a ruckus and this kind of made its way through the villages until it reached a village called Dornock or Dornock. This, uh, there was a man in this village called St Gilbert and when he heard of the beast he made the decision that if the dragon ever made its way to his village that he was going to take care of it before it caused too much destruction and started a ruckus. But as luck would have it that is exactly what the dragon did and it decided to make its way up to Dornock stopping by a nearby lock to have a wee drink of water. And at this point St Gilbert had actually dug like this massive hole where he could get inside and he was able to hide and have like a wee a wee look-see at the dragon before it could see him. So we know where this is going guys, we know where this is going. So finally the beast made its way into Dornock and as it entered it said pity on you Dornock. So not only do we have a dragon here ladies and gentlemen, we have a talking dragon on our hands. St Gilbert, he actually had his weapon of choice with him which was a bone arrow and he confronted the beast yelling right back at it, pity on you Dornock and firing off an arrow that killed the beast before it could attack him. So yeah, that was it. Done and dusted. The dragon's body was said to have been taken to the moor between Dornock and Skibo and buried. A stone was said to have been put on top of it, which is now known as the Beast's Stone. I personally could not find any photos of this stone online or any accounts of people who had visited this stone. But what I did find was a map of this kind of general area from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago and there was a spot on the map that said um, standing stone and it was in the moors so I don't know if this is the stone or if I am just absolutely pulling at straws there and um, you know making that up. Uh, another thing that I noticed was that on the walls of Donner Castle which is still standing today there are stone carvings um, kind of on, on the exterior walls of the castle and one of them does resemble the face of a dragon. So this could be a wee nod to the tale of the Dornock dragon. Now don't be don't be saddened guys. There are more dragons. More dragon stories from here in Scotland that I have to tell you. Uh, more than I was uh, I was actually surprised. I was surprised. Let's just say that at how many there is. Now the last wee beastie that I'm going to be talking about is man's best friend. Or as it's more commonly known as the Cushy. Which means fairy dog. This creature is mostly seen in the highlands, on the moors and the rocky hills. It's said to resemble a large hound with long shaggy hair and has a green-like tinge to its fur, kind of similar to moss. Its size isn't exactly terrifying, but it was said to be around the same size as a small cow. Which yes, I, would, I suppose is pretty big for a dog, but I mean it's not, it's not humongous. I mean Great Danes are pretty big, they're about the size of a horse. Now the Cushy made their homes in the gaps and crevices on the rocky hillsides 
And at night, the only way they could be seen was by their two glowing eyes staring at you from the darkness, which legit gives me shivers. Uh, Side note, when I was little, my mum used to make us watch, like, old movies. Um, And one of them was The Hound of the Baskervilles. If you haven't seen it, or you haven't read the book, it is a very old Sherlock Holmes movie. And for some reason, this movie creeped me out so bad when I was younger. Uh, essentially, the the story is about um, an heir who lives in this big, huge estate. And the estate is on the moors. And at night, it's like foggy and creepy. But there's this hound on the loose, on the moors. And it's, try, it's basically stalking and trying to kill the heir. Obviously, at the end, it's revealed that it's just all a big ploy and it's like, obviously, people are trying to steal money and it's all that kind of stuff. But the actual hound in this movie is terrifying. I think it was just a Great Dane that they painted, uh, but it's got like glowing, it's got like this glowing green aura coming off it and it's really scary. I know it's probably pathetic if I was to go back and look at it now. But when I was a kid, it really used to freak me out. It was just like the moors and, you know, the mud and the, the fog. And then just this thing. I don't know what it was. It was just, it really used to freak me out. Which is really weird because my favourite movie of all time is American Werewolf in London. And if you've seen American Werewolf in London, you'll know that the moors play a very big part in the movie. Uh, but it doesn't, and, it, and it creeps me out as well, just... Every time I hear the word moors, I think of Hound of the Baskervilles and werewolves. So yeah, I don't like moors. So the Cushy is very much giving me Hound of the Baskerville vibes. Don't like it. Most of the stories surrounding this creature, they kind of just consist of it just like kind of walking, wandering around the moors. There's that word again. And nearby forests hunting and just like complete silence and just kind of keeping itself to itself. But of course, there are several different versions of these stories which I'm going to go into here but yeah uh, one of them was that they kind of just keep themselves to their shells um, they're very silent though they don't really make a lot of noise and they kind of just stalk the forests and moors looking for prey things to eat that kind of nature but then I read that they were known to occasionally let out three very loud barks just three that can be heard like for miles and miles and miles and they were even meant to be heard by boats that were out at sea they were kind of close close to shore and it said that anybody who should hear these three barks has until the third bark to find like shelter seek safety and if you haven't gotten to safety in time and you hear the third bark it's said to like strike complete terror into the person hearing it and then would eventually lead to their death because they were just in so much shock hearing it I'm not really sure how you would prevent yourself from hearing the third bark. Uh, if it can be heard from miles away. If it can be heard from a boat offshore. How in the hell are you meant to prevent yourself from hearing it? Like, do you just, like, stick your fingers in your ears? Or do you put earplugs in? Like, what's the script here, people? I don't know. I need to know in case I encounter the Kushi. Another belief was that the Kushi were harbingers of death, which seems to be a recurring theme with every single creature I've talked about. They seem to be harbingers, omens of death. And the Kushi were said to appear 
to those who had recently passed and escort their souls to the afterlife, which is very, very interesting because the Kushi actually have like a feline counterpart, which is called the Kachi, uh, and they were known to steal souls. So I think it's very interesting that the feline steals the souls and the kind of canine version, he takes the souls away into the afterlife. So that's pretty interesting. I will be talking about the Kachi on the next episode, uh, next folklore episode, should I say. So need worry. You don't need to worry. And the last and kind of stranger story that I heard was that they were known to kind of go into villages at night and steal new mothers who were nursing their babies and lead them to fairy mounds and force them to provide milk for the people of the mounds who were just kind of like a supernatural race. Well, I shouldn't say well. They are a supernatural race. Who are known to live in these fairy mounds and worry not guys again i will be covering people of the mounds in another uh, in the next folklore episode because they are a whole actually you can dedicate an entire episode to them because they are their own race they live in parallel universes they are just cool as shit so i will be covering people of the mounds in another episode so worry not but as for the milk thing that is a wee bit sinister I mean, grabbing a wee maw from her bairn to steal her milk, that is absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. And the last thing that I would like to mention about the Kushi, which I'm not entirely sure is true or factual, but I did see it from very uh, varying different sources, so I kind of thought I would mention it. It's worth a mention. I read that J.K. Rowling, I know, was inspired by this folktale. Uh, when creating the character The Grim. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Harry Potter, The Grim is, uh, at the start of the movie, he's kind of like just this black dog that is like an omen. Again, a harbinger of death. Nobody likes to talk about it. Um, It's just one of those dark things. So, um, but then obviously it's revealed in the movie that it's actually not. It's like the animagus of his uncle, whatever. But yeah, I kind of can see it. I mean, they're pretty similar. A large, houndy kind of dog, shaggy hair, likes to live on the moors. I could totally see that, but like I said, I do not know if that is completely true or fictional, so please do take that with a pinch of salt. And that is all I have for you, my wee dears. Uh, Do not worry. There are many, many more where that came from. I do try to keep it to three tales per episode, but if you'd like more, please let me know. I can certainly do that for you. The whole time... I was doing this episode I was thinking I so wish that these creatures were real because the descriptions of them I just you know how when someone tells you something and you automatically create an image in your head of it I do that with so many of these things but like I just would like to see them because I think that some of them sound so badass but hey maybe they are real and we just have to go looking for them does anybody want to start a wee Scottish beastie hunting group with me Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, um, the word beastie in Scotland, um, well, Glasgow, my specific area, I don't know about other place, places in Scotland, uh, the word beastie is uh, slang for bug. Um, any bug, not a specific bug, any bug. It could be a butterfly, could be a beetle, could be a spider. If there was like a bug on my window, let's say, I would say, Dad, there's a beastie on that window, can you get rid of it? That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where the word comes from. But I'm actually not using it in its proper slang here because 
uh, when I say it, I'm just meaning like beasts, like these creatures are like beasts, but I just think that beastie sounds a bit better, so that's why I use it. But um, yeah, that is quite enough rambling for me. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I thank you all for listening and I hope you keep on listening. I promise I have so much stuff coming uh, and I'm really, really trying to get weekly uploads for you. Um, and be more a bit more consistent i promise 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 yeah but that but yeah that is it for me stay weird stay scared bye folks <laughs>